Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss these aren't the stories your mother told you no these are the other stories We don't normally do this, but as we just put out a whole week of episodes for Halloween, I thought we'd do a little call out for reviews on iTunes. We put a lot of effort into the show, and I think a nice little review on iTunes gives us a little self-esteem boost, and it helps us rank in the iTunes store, which in turn helps us to reach new listeners. So if you enjoyed the show, or even if you kind of liked it, then why not head over to the iTunes store and leave us a little review. Bleed. Written by Matt Butcher. Narrated by Alexandra Elroy Every day, I maintain the same routine. It gives my life structure, a steadfast framework around which my existence is built. It gives me a sense of stability in a world I barely understand or connect with. It reminds me that I am of this world, and it is of me. So when something breaks this routine, something so impossible as to shatter this tenuous understanding between the world and I, that routine goes down the toilet and, in turn, so does my grip on reality. The day that this irregularity came crashing into my life had started, like any other Thursday. I woke up at 9am prompt to the sound of the automated garbage removal truck banging around down on street level. I had whatever I could throw together for breakfast 
and readied myself for the day ahead. I tried the news streams only to find the connection was still down. I can't even remember when it last worked. And then waited for my friend Tony to come around. Tony was pretty much my only friend. I'd barely have left my apartment if it wasn't for him. He even came to pick me up from the flat to make sure I did get out every day. At the time, I wasn't sure what I would have done without a friend like Tony. He was my only real link to society. I'd been staring into the living area's frosted window, watching the pollution clouds shift and take transient form in the breeze, when the flat's intercom sounded. It was Tony. Yo, you ready to go? He asked, gruffly. Sure thing, Tone, I had replied, already one foot out of the door. Told you not to call me that, I heard him grumble as the door closed behind me. Exiting the apartment tower out onto street level, Tony had immediately grabbed my air filtering mask and pulled it over my face. What have I said about going outside without that thing on? He snapped. That the air is poisonous and to wear it all the time, I replied sheepishly. Sure, Tony had snapped at me sometimes, but it seemed to come from a place of caring. In megacities like this one, he told me about how pollution had grown to be such an issue that prolonged exposure could cause long-term respiratory problems. Tony even had said that the acid rain was actually dangerously acidic, sometimes enough to burn exposed skin and peel paint off cars. I never went out when it rained, or ever really. That was down on street level though. Rich people lived in what Tony called ivory towers up in the sky, where the pollution was minimal and they didn't have to deal with the peasants like Tony and I. He seemed to hold a heavy grudge against the rich. For them to live luxuriously in the heavens while we waded through the garbage and filth was an insult he struggled to let lie. We're not up there with God and all his angels, Tony joked. We can't afford to take risks, yeah? Sure thing, Tony. The first stop on a Thursday was at the bookmakers down near the floating markets. A sight to behold in themselves. Antigravitic stools floating on ionized air currents in the stylings of a historical Asian water market and place a few bets on the latest digital Super Bowl. He gives me the tip and I'll place the bet, as it's all automated and only takes a prick of the thumb to verify the payment. Sometimes Tony's hunches pay off and we get to split the winnings but mostly it's just nice to be a part of something we both enjoy. <laughs> Next stop on our daily outing was the soup kitchen a friend of Tony's runs. We visit every Thursday, calling at the ATM to make a donation. Tony always said how much his friend helps the community, and though I'd never seen the soup kitchen in full swing or for more than a cursory glance when I thought about it, Tony seemed to be convinced that his friend was keeping the poorest of the poor from starving. And I didn't want people to starve, did I? Of course not. Last stop of the day was a dark bar somewhere on the mid-level of the floating market. Tony sat me down by the bar, beer in hand and watching the digital Super Bowl to see if our bet came through, while he went to visit some other friend in a back room that I wasn't allowed to go into. Sometime later, Tony came back to fetch me. 
that day we'd not won our bet, but Tony didn't seem to mind too much. He signaled to the barkeep for the tab, for me to settle with another thumbprick, and he took me back home to my apartment. I've ordered some food for you. It'll be delivered sometime tomorrow, Tony had told me. Remember not to answer the door, even if they insist. Thieves will pose as anything these days. Wait for them to leave before wheeling the deliver in, okay? Sure thing, Tony. Tony was always looking out for me. I was lucky to have a friend like him. Or so I had thought. Later that evening, an envelope had slid under my door. Remembering Tony's advice, I didn't rush to the door, but instead turned on the peephole camera to see a shadowy figure disappear around the corridor's corner. Picking up the envelope, I placed it on the dining space's table to find it read, Please open and read, in large scribbled letters. A slave to my curiosity, I obeyed, pouring its contents onto the table's grimy plastic surface. My heart felt as though it had stopped dead in my chest. Strewn out across the table were photos of... me. But they weren't of me. I mean, it was definitely me, but it wasn't me, me. I looked different. I was dressed differently and I was somewhere I'd never seen before. Somewhere that looked really nice. Flipping over one of the photos, I found the temporary address of one of the floating market stalls, a Thai food stand that is there on Mondays and Thursdays. Underneath the photo was a disc with Play Me scribbled on it. From the inky black of the screen's flat surface materialized a masked face. Hello, the figure spoke. Please watch this message to its conclusion. I am here to help. The figure's tone was grave and garbled beyond recognition. The photos I have sent will likely be distressing to you, but I have found it to be the fastest and most comprehensive way to get the subject at hand across. The woman in the photo is you. The real you. The words had hit me with enough force to push me down to a sit. You are a clone. A genetic copy with limited personality designed to be used to bleed money from your wealthy twin. You have a handler by the name of Tony, who is employed by the mob to maintain some semblance of a lifestyle to keep you healthy and functional enough to maintain this theft for as long as possible. The mega-rich who are copied this way are less likely to notice or care about frequent but relatively small amounts being leached from their numerous accounts. The identity verification software is capable of detecting inactivity in the sample, Tony at once told me to sign as my questioning. Presumably, the ability to use static sources of DNA would make every sneeze or blood sample into a potential indignity theft threat, and the comatose would be bed-bound gold mines. I am a private detective, one of many employed by the elite to scour the Undercity for bleeds like yourself to hopefully stem some of the financial hemorrhaging. Bleeds, when discovered, are to be tailed until criminal connections are detailed and patterned, before all involved, mob and bleed alike, are to be eliminated. The last word pushed me back to my feet and set my heart fluttering. What was I supposed to do? Even if any of this was real, I had nowhere to go. No friends other than Tony to call on, no family I could remember, and nowhere other than this small apartment that I felt safe in. In fact, 
It was as though I was barely a whole person at all. My God, it was all true, wasn't it? I am contacting you because I wish to help. I am in contact with an underground bleed safe house. Because in opposition to my employers, I believe all life is justified and worth preserving, no matter its beginnings. I've seen your handler's route takes you through the floating markets, so I have arranged for a contact to be at a store on the fourth level to meet you for extraction. In case this visual message has or will be compromised, I've written it on the back of one of the photos. You must not inform your handler of my contact. Standard mob procedure is to eliminate the bleed and print another copy. I hope you make it. Good luck. After taking a moment to let this inexorable mess of unwanted revelations sink in, I channeled it all down to a point. Sculpt the mess into something I can use. Something that could progress my situation. The floating barge. That was my only escape. I had just shy of an hour to get there before close of business today. I had to set off immediately. Grabbing my coat, I headed to the door, when a voice stopped me dead in my tracks. Yo, you had someone visiting? Tony asked through the intercom. I could see him down on street level, through the grainy screen. Taking a moment to still my breath, I held the button down to reply. Just someone handing out menus. I lied to him for the first time. You sure? Tony asked, shooting a glance up to the camera. I'm coming up to make sure you're okay. Get the kettle on, yeah? Sure thing, Tony. I replied. I had a couple of minutes before he'd be outside my door. I had to think fast. There was only one working lift, which Tony was using, and the stairs would take far too long. I doubted I'd be able to overpower Tony, let alone incapacitate him, so I had pitifully few options apparent. The fire alarm! If I set off the fire alarm, the lift would be halted on whichever floor it was on, and all the tower block's occupants would spill out into the hallways and stairwells to hopefully grant me cover for my escape. Seeing the lift floor number display still only in single digits, I flew down the stairs with enough speed that I worried I'd stumble and fall into a heap of broken bones. As I passed each floor, I checked the lift's level, until eventually Tony was higher than I was. The next floor down, with only a breath's hesitation, I tugged on the fire alarm. Its piercing bells peeled out from every floor simultaneously in a jangling cacophony. Not stopping, I continued my descent to the sound of doors opening and disgruntled murmurs. As the residents began to pour into the stairwell to join me, I shot a glance up the spiral of concrete and steel to lock eyes with Tony. He doesn't raise his voice, as that would only have drawn unwanted attention, but launched himself into my pursuit. Though I had a sea of shuffling people to navigate, I didn't let it slow me down. I couldn't. Tony was a fast runner. He'd be on my heels in no time at all. Now at street level. I burst through the doors and out into the smoggy streets in the direction that I always went, towards the floating markets. I was halfway there when I realised that I'd left with such haste that I forgot to wear my pollution filter mask. The air, though pungent, wasn't toxic, as Tony had always said. I soon realised why he'd wanted me to keep my face hidden, however. 
as many of those that I passed by stopped to stare, and some even took snapshots on their paper-thin phones. I was a celebrity, even though no one knew who I was. Making my way up to the fourth level of the floating markets, I stepped out onto the anti-gravity gangplank that the hovering barges tethered themselves to, and peeled along the thin walkway as fast as I dared, whilst holding to the guiding rope tightly. I made the mistake of glancing down. My god, it was so much higher up than it looks. Ahead I saw the Thai food barge. It looked to be closing for the day. I was just in time. Sprinting down the gangplank it was tethered to, I felt a hand pull up my arm and instinctively shoved it away, unaware who I had just pushed. I heard them stumble and slip, sharply inhaling as they fell over the edge of the four-floor platform. A wave of dread washed over me. What had I done? The dull thud of body meeting concrete was responded to by shrill screaming. I'm finally edged to glance down at what I'd done. To find the bloody and mangled mess of Tony. He stared up at me with unbridled anger I hadn't seen him display before. Again a hand gripped my arm, but unlike before I steeled myself. Turning, I found the wizened face of an elderly lady. Silently she gestured for me to board her barge and hid me under a blanket that was deceptively thick and metallic underneath. You will be safe now, the old lady said from somewhere above as I feel the barge drift from its mooring. I hear the sounds of the marketplace fade away. Sirens whizzed by somewhere below, drawn to whatever remained of Tony. Soon we will be at the safe house, the old lady informed me, guiding her cart around a sharp turn. Don't worry, you'll fit right in, <laughs> she chuckled. You're a popular bleed, you know. There's at least 16 others just like you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Bleed was written by Matt Butcher, narrated by Alex Elroy, edited by Carl Hughes and muted by KT Springer and Tom Robson. Just want to say a big welcome to our latest patron, Michael Arms, who's supporting us over on patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. Thank you for your support, Michael, and welcome to our little club of Daniel Johnsons. Until next time. 